If you can't tell at this point, I, I'm really am excited to be with you this morning. Uh, you know, I, I really do appreciate the song we just sang. God is good. And uh, not only is he good, but he desires to love us in ways we don't deserve to be loved. And so we'll be talking about him this morning. If you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. And we'll get there in a little bit. You know, this morning I wanted to start with a quote. There's a 17th century French writer named Blaise Pascal. And uh, what Pascal says, he says, Jesus is the center of all. The object of all. Whoever does not know him knows nothing aright. Either of the world or of himself. You know, I heard this quote uh, this past week and I just fell in love with it. Because in my 43 years of life, I couldn't agree with that statement more. I mean, it makes so much sense. You know, Pascal is saying, if you don't know Jesus, you don't really know anything in the proper way. It's not to say you don't know anything at all, but you don't know it in the way God created you to know it. Because Jesus centers us in everything we do in life. It doesn't matter what it is. In order to live a balanced life and be centered as the being that we were created to be, we need to know Jesus. You know, the way we get to know Jesus is by studying the Bible. There are accounts of his life recorded in there. There are instructions and commands that he gave to people that we can read about. But we can certainly know Jesus as we dig into the Bible and study it out. You know, when you take time to read the Bible, one thing you'll notice is that Jesus had encounters with many different people. And while these encounters took different forms, there's one thing that was true then that is still true now, and that is a real encounter with Jesus is always meaningful. Always. You know, people, when they would come to him or would have an encounter with him, they would go away either changed or challenged. But they never walked away saying, man, this was a waste of my time. That's never the case. Our encounter with Jesus is always meaningful. And this is what studying the Bible is. If you think about it, isn't it? It's really an opportunity to have an encounter, a meaningful encounter with Jesus. For many of you here this morning, it has been years since you initially studied the Bible, made Jesus Lord of your life, and got baptized. Right? I mean, I dare say for some of you, I mean, it's probably been 35 years. And that's encouraging. I think we may even have some, some of us who've been Christians for 40 years. And if you were given the opportunity to come up here, you probably would share how meaningful that initial encounter has been in your life. Certainly all the encounters after that, but you probably would have a lot to share. You know, I appreciate what Travis shared this morning. Again, sharing about 
the meaning that God has brought through to his life after encountering Jesus through the pages of Scripture. Amen. You know, for some of you, this is the first time you're seriously engaging in a meaningful study of God's Word. And maybe you've been studying the Bible for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, maybe two months. But you're, you're there, you're sitting down with your friend. And they're studying with you. They're trying to teach you who Jesus is. And try to help you to understand His will for your life. It's an opportunity to have a real encounter with Him. You know, maybe some of you studied in the past. But for whatever reason, you walked away challenged. But not changed. And so now you're back. Or maybe you never stopped coming to church. You just... I'm not going to study the Bible, but I'm going to come to church. But for some reason, you're back. And maybe what it is, is seeking a real encounter with Jesus. And so this morning, I want to focus on an encounter that Jesus had with a man man who was possessed by demons. And I tell you right off the bat, it's not really about demon possession. It really is about an encounter with Jesus. And if you're studying the Bible at this point in your life, I do believe as we look at this account in the book of Mark, you will see what you, just three decisions that you need to make to ensure that your encounter with Jesus is a real one. Are you with me? So you're probably already there in Mark chapter 5. I'm going to take a sip of water so I can read this appropriately. God's word is powerful. And we can't read it in a boring way. In uh, verse 1 of Mark chapter 5, it says, "They, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, a lot of pigs, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. I mean, that's one of those occurrences you cannot miss. 
Verse 14 says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Like many of you are this morning. And these folks were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And told about the pigs as well. That was a huge concern. You got to understand, that was their livelihood. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. What an incredible story. You know, as I said, you know, what I want to do is talk about three decisions you need to make in order to experience a real encounter with Jesus as you study the Bible. And my first point this morning is you have to admit your condition. You know what I'm saying? You have to admit your condition if your time in God's word is to be a real encounter with Jesus. You know, we look here at verse 1 through 10. Let's look at this man's condition. This man's life was obviously out of control. The Bible said he lived naked in a grave house. It's like you just stop there. It's like I don't even need the other details. His life was out of control. I mean, I'm spooked just walking by a cemetery because of the stories you hear. But this man lived naked in a grave house. He was so violent that he needed to be bound hand and foot with chains, which he would break every time that that would take place. He was cutting himself and being controlled by an evil spirit. Now, it's really interesting because when Jesus asks the man, what's your name? And you can't tell whether he's talking to the spirit or the man. One of the spirits' response said, we are legion. My my name is legion. Because there are many impure spirits here. But yet in the beginning of the text, it says this man was being controlled by one spirit. And I guess even the demons and the spirits, evil impure spirits, they have structure. They have leaders. I guess the guy who responded was the leader. But you look at this man who was possessed, his life before meeting Jesus had no purpose. He was restless, destructive to himself and to other people. And honestly, here's what happened when we read about a man like this. We say, wow, his life's out of control. But we miss the point that this is no different from who we are without Jesus. This is no different from who I am without Jesus. It's no different from who you are. Each and every single one of you, not just this section, but all three sections. This is who we are without Jesus. We have got to understand that. And if you're studying the Bible, there's got to be that point where you admit your condition. And maybe you're not convinced, but think about it this way. Just like this man, don't we lose our way in life? Right? We find ourselves in places where we swore that we would never be. And it is very comparable to living in a grave house. 
Or maybe we find ourselves doing things that we promised we would never do. How about being restless, right? Can you relate to that? Always looking for, for more. Unable to experience contentment with what God has given you. That's what was going on with this man. The text says he was cutting himself with stone. You know, we hurt ourselves through self-destructive habits without Jesus. Drug and alcohol abuse is the simple one to think about. But there are more things. How about living without boundaries where anything goes? You are destroying yourself. That's what we have to be able to look at this man and see that, you know, the Bible's talking about our condition without Jesus. It also says this man was being controlled by an impure spirit. So my question this morning is, what's controlling you? If you're studying the Bible, you've got to stop and think, what's controlling me? In Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, if you do well, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin is lying outside your door, ready to attack. It wants to control you, but you must master it. That's the nature of sin. It's not to trip you up. It's to master you. John chapter 8 verse 34. Jesus himself, this is his very words. This is what he says. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Last I checked, the slave is controlled. And what Jesus is saying that anyone who sins, and again, that put us all in that category. Anyone who sins is being controlled by sin, is a slave to sin. So again, it begs the question, what's controlling you this morning? You know, uh, I'm reminded of when I was 11 years old, uh, a young guy. It was really the first time I saw pornographic image. And I remember like it was yesterday. We were, myself and my siblings, we were in Canada spending time with our relatives there. And one of my cousins found a videotape that belonged to her dad. And she brought the tape over to my aunt's house and so that secretly we can look at this stuff. Now I was the older siblings and cousins who were doing that. They didn't know I was there in the corner watching. And truth of the matter, for me to say that those images stained my brain would be an understatement. And from my adolescence, well into my adult year, years, that those images I saw, certainly coupled with my evil desires, right? My evil tendencies led to a host of impure and sexual immoral acts. I was controlled by that, that sin and that desire. And we have to ask ourselves this morning, but what's controlling you? Do you know your condition? Look what it says in Galatians 5, verse 19, 21. Because when we're talking about 
knowing your condition. We're not talking about something that's so abstract. Verse 19 of Galatians chapter 5 says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. You can see it. You know it. It says it's sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, Paul says, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, there are a few things we can throw into that list. We can throw lying. We can throw, you know, uh, being, just having extramarital affairs. We can throw a number of things, but what sin is controlling you right now in your life? You can't have a real encounter with Jesus while masking your condition. You must admit the condition you're in. Don't be proud. Don't study the Bible lackadaisically. But go there with the intent, man, I want to be honest with who I am and learn what it is God wants from me. Face up to Jesus and find the truth in the scriptures. Amen? Amen. My second point is you have to commit to change. You know, in verse 14 through 16, we see that after being with Jesus for only a short while, this man was changed completely. You know, it was like night and day. I love it when the Bible says he was fully clothed and in his right mind. I mean, that's a good place to be in. As opposed to living in a grave house, right? Clothed and in your right mind. You know, it reminds me sometimes, you know, as certainly I'm, I'm talking primarily to those studying the Bible, but those of us who are studying the Bible with them and trying to help them, sometimes, you know, we, we, we can want to just keep it at that point where the person we're studying with think, yeah, yeah, I'm dressed, I'm clothed and in my right mind. But they don't know what you were like beforehand. <laughs> you know, it, it, openness breeds openness. It, it, you know, Paul says, I loved you so much that I shared with you not only the gospel, but my life as well. So in helping our friends and helping our relative, helping our co-workers, as we're open with our lives, then they can see that it's a miracle that you're here today, clothed and in your right mind. And it helps people to, to admit their condition. But that's, I digress, that's a sidebar. But we see this man was fully clothed and in his right mind. He no longer had that wild look in his eyes. But there was peace there. No longer hatred in his heart. Instead, he had love, as we'll see later. No longer confined and frustrated. He was free to go about and enjoy life. Be with his family. Contribute to his community instead of being the one tearing it down. This is the opportunity that an encounter with Jesus allowed him to have. It would be an understatement to say that this man was grateful. He was, and we'll see that later. However, you continue reading there, as we read, you heard that there were others who didn't have that kind of appreciation for the change that Jesus enabled this man to experience. Okay. Okay. 
Right? There are other people with the opportunity to have this meaningful encounter with Jesus. But they missed it. Because you imagine after witnessing what they, they witnessed, you thought they would be running to Jesus, right? And say, help me. Here's my condition. Help me to fix it. But that wasn't their reaction. The Bible said they, become, they became really concerned about the herd of pigs. And because they were challenged and afraid, they told Jesus, please leave this region. We, 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 you know what? Not right now. I've got too much going on in my life right now. To even confront this reality, please leave. Go away is what they said. They felt afraid and challenged. They were not committed to changing their current way of life, so they missed out on this encounter with Jesus. They were afraid of losing what they had. How about you this morning? Are you committed to change? Or are you studying the Bible because it's what you desire? And you know, I, I, would, I would even answer that and say, I, I believe that is what we desire. It's what you desire. I mean, nobody have time to set up a Bible study, sit there for an hour, and, and, and some of you, maybe three, four hours, and yet there's no desire to change. So I, I know that there's a desire there. But have you stopped? And said, you know what, I'm going to commit myself to changing. Becoming a follower of Jesus, it's all about change. You know, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. The Bible says, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. That's what God is trying to do in your life, is help you become a new creation. One that is routed in the original design. What he intended for you. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. So have you committed yourself to changing and embracing becoming a new creation? You know, being a new creation does involve reading the Bible on your own. I know it's like, you know, yeah, I know you couldn't think of that, right? It also involves coming to church regularly, right? It also involves having Christian friends, right? Because, uh, you know, certainly the company we'll keep will have an impact, an influence on us. But, you know, the kind of change we're talking about here goes beyond that. It's not just a change in your schedule. Change that concerns your, we're talking about change that concerns your thoughts, your motives, your desire, and your life purpose. It's like, don't touch those. (laughs) Right? Because I'll make the change in my schedule. But what? I've been thinking this way since I was itty bitty. What do you mean change my thinking? But that's what we're talking about. Because here's the truth. Changing your mind will lead to changes in your schedule. But changes in your schedule don't necessarily lead to changing your mind. It doesn't. We need to keep that in mind. But becoming a disciple of Jesus requires commitment to changing on a deeper level than just attending church. 
Are you making meaningful changes in your life right now? So why, why do we have a hard time changing? Right? Wouldn't you say that's a good question? And I, I want to be helpful this morning, right? So why do we have a hard time changing? You know, I think the first thing is that some of us, we bring empty religious notions. We bring that stuff with us when we come to study the Bible. Those empty religious ideas. And I'm talking from first hand. I shared up here before that I grew up religious going to church, but my life was no different than my friends who weren't going to church. Okay. To put it mildly, I was a spiritual hypocrite. That's what I was. But that's what we do. You know, we come to Bible study with, you know, nobody's perfect. Right? I mean, that's what I told myself. Yeah, sex outside of marriage. It does say that in the Bible, but nobody's perfect. God understands. Or we say, and it's my favorite, God knows my heart. And, and you know, and here's the answer. He does know your heart. And that's the, precisely the reason why he's trying to help change your heart. But you know, when we, when we come to studying the Bible with those empty notions, it keeps us from changing. You've got to be at a point where the thinking is, okay, I want to have a real encounter with Jesus. You know, another reason why we have a hard time changing is because we suffer from nearsighted spiritual vision. And what that is, is, you know, it's hard for us in the moment right now to see what God is wanting to do with our lives through these changes he's calling us to make. It's tough for us to see it. So because it's tough, we want to hold on to what we know. Hey, I'm, look, I'm used to this. I'm going to hold on to this. Because we can't see beyond that. So we hold on. What are you holding on to that's keeping you from following Jesus? You know, it reminds me of the monkey trap. And I know you guys at this point, you all know about the monkey trap. You probably heard it in another sermon. But you know, the monkey trap, simply put, it's, it's really a cage or a hollowed gourd tied to a post and inside that cage or that gourd contains a banana with a hole enough for a monkey well not a hole in the banana but a hole in the gourd the hole is is big enough for the monkey to fit his hand in while it's open but it's not large enough for the monkey to pull it out his hand while clutching or holding on to the banana it's not going to come out and so the way the story goes is that many monkeys have been captured simply because they're unwilling to let go of that banana. It's like, dude, let go of the banana. It's the banana or your freedom. You know, let go. But just, they just had a tough time. But we can be like that sometime, right? Because of the nearsighted vision that we're, we're not letting go of this thing. We don't know what God is trying to do. What do you need to let go of today, right now? You know, I'm, uh, there's a, a brother, a great brother in the uh, New Jersey church, uh, whose name is Randy Hainsworth. And uh, I studied the Bible with Randy, 19, myself and some other brothers in the campus ministry, 19 years ago. So a couple months ago, June 11th to be exact, Randy gave me a call. And I missed this call, so I called him back, and we had a chance to talk. 
And he was calling me because June 11th was his spiritual birthday. And he was calling to thank me for being involved in his Bible study 19 years ago. And one of the things he told me, he said, you know, when you... Because the, the other brothers had been studying with him for a while before I came into the study. You know, and let me just say, when Randy called me and told me that I needed some encouragement. So I'm encouraged by him sharing that, this with me. But, you know, he told me that while the brothers had been studying with him and helping him to see what God was calling him to change in his life, he was having a tough time. And he mentioned to me, he said, you know, it's when you came in that day, we were in Tiernan Hall, New Jersey Institute of Technology on the second floor. He said, you shared with me John 10.10. And that helped me to decide I'm going to trust God and change. And of course, you know, John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and destroy. Right? But I have come, Jesus speaking, so that they may have life and have it to the full. It helped him to kind of project out of his immediate experience and situation and said, look, I'm going to trust God. You know, I have a picture of Randy uh, that I, I, I have here. So this is Randy Hainsworth. He's been married for well over 12 years now with a great sister, Cherry Ann. Uh, that's their two kids. And, you know, he's, he's there dressed and in his right mind. <laughs> I love this picture. But here it is 19 years later. He had no idea what God was trying to do with him. And, and yet, great, great brother, respected in the church in Jersey. You know, he uh, has a great career, doing really well for himself. But God was trying to take care of Randy. Randy didn't know he was holding on to that banana. Until he projected outward and thought God's doing something more. So we have to commit to changing. Make a decision that, look, if God shows me in the scriptures what I need to do, what decision I need to make, man, I'm going to make it. So that that way I can experience the meaningfulness that he is trying to add to my life. Third and last point here is you have to live out the commission. You know, in verse 1820, this is how the story about the demon-possessed man, how that account ends. In verse 18, so after this man was cleansed and dressed in his right mind, as the scriptures say, verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, same day, same time, it's not next week, next year, but as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Please let me go with you. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were blown away. I know it says amazed, but... You know, you got to read it like I read it, right? They were blown away. You stop and think about what's happened here. You know, Jesus instructed this man to go and tell others about what he had done in this man's life. And this man began to live out that, that command or that commission right away. And he did it because of the mercy that Jesus showed him. And I love it. He doesn't appear to need much convincing. 
He said he went away. He obeys out of sheer gratitude for what Jesus has done in his life. And I don't want you to miss this, but here's what Jesus did there. Jesus gave this man a meaningful purpose. That's what he did. Think about his life before. And now, with what Jesus has done in his life, now he has this purpose. Of course, Jesus knew that living out this commission would help others know about the good news. But I believe Jesus also knew that it was this purpose that would keep this man from living an inward-focused, smug life where he is content to enjoy the good life in Christ while forgetting the incredible need surrounding him. Jesus gave him a purpose to help him to really live out this new life he gave him. And it's no different from us. The incredible need that surrounded this man is no different from the need that surrounds us now. People need to know about Jesus. It's a matter of spiritual life and death. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, check this out. This is Paul talking about the spiritual needs around around us. He was talking to the Ephesian disciples, but he's definitely talking to us as well. He says, this is not a wrestling match, talking about life, against a human opponent. We are wrestling with rulers, authorities, the powers who govern this world of darkness, and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. I mean, chew on that. Just like this man was being bullied by these impure spirits, people all around us, all around you are being bullied by Satan and his demons. He is the biggest bully there is, guys. This is who Satan is. And he needs to be confronted. You know, we're, we're, we're confront him when we tell others about Jesus. So as you study the Bible and you're seeing what God is doing in your life, going out and living out this purpose helps to stop Satan's bullying of other people. You know, here's a short video. It's only 14 seconds long, so you've got to be tuned in, okay? You've got to pay attention. The minute it comes on, it's going to go. But it's a longer video about the Marine Corps and there's stuff in there I, I necessarily don't want to mess around with uh, endorsing or anything like that. So I only chopped off the first 14 minutes. Okay. Uh, 14 seconds, I'm sorry. Okay? You're tuned in for 14 seconds, not 14 minutes. Uh, but it, it's a great imagery. And I want us to watch it and quickly talk about it as I close the sermon here. Told you it was 14 seconds long. But you saw what's happened in there, right? So you had a group of uh, kids at the stairwell where they were being bullied by the, these other kids. This one child was being bullied by these other kids. And you have a girl walking out of class, minding her own business, going down the hallway. But he, she noticed that bullying situation. And she 
worked up the courage and she walked up, put her hand out and said, stop. And she didn't just say stop, but she kept on walking to go and deal with the situation. And really that's the image of how God wants us to live out this purpose. Satan and his demons are constantly bullying your relatives. Constantly bullying your children, your neighbors, your co-workers. Here are some of the things he tells them. He says stuff like, you will never change. You'll always be a liar. Or tempts us, right? He says with his words, he says, you're not drunk. Have one more glass. You know what? You can't really forgive her. That was mean what she said. I mean, that hurts. Or you know what? You might as well. Your marriage is dead anyway. You might as well go ahead. Or you know what? You got to look out for yourself only because you know what? No one else will. Just, just be focused about taking care of yourself. And you know, just like that girl in that video, this is where we need to find the courage. I know it can be difficult. To say no to Satan and get involved. Share with others what we're learning as we're studying the Bible. You know, hey, maybe you feel like I I can't sit there and study the Bible with them. But you you, you know people who can. Invite them to church. But you got to say stop and get involved. Get engaged. This is evangelism. Caring enough to engage in the spiritual battle to help others around you. Because you're grateful. For what Jesus is doing in your life. So friends. Muster up the courage. To live out the commission. You know. uh, In closing here. Let me go ahead and urge you here. And since we live in uh, Texas. I'm going to go ahead and spur you on. Okay. There's 134 days left in 2018. 19 weeks. And that's four and a half months. So in one sense, there's a lot of time left. But in another sense, time is running out. And in the spirit of Acts 22, those of you studying the Bible, or maybe you're not studying the Bible, this is your first time coming out, ask the person who invited you, hey, can I sit down and study the Bible? They, might be, they probably are planning on asking you anyway. You can beat them to the punch and you can set that up. But in the spirit of Acts 22, let me ask you. Jesus want to add meaning to your life. What are you waiting for? What is it? What are you waiting for? You know, all you have to do is, one, admit your condition. Two, commit to change. And three, live out the commission. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory.